from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 599, Stories from the Field with guest Mike O'Neill, recorded Friday, July 20th, 2018. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio, bringing back one of my favorites today, Mike O'Neill, who has endeavored to empower engineers as much as possible with the sharing of information and overall IT knowledge. He's currently, has been for a while now, Microsoft Premier Field Engineer, coolest job in the company, focused on Exchange and Active Directory. He has ongoing deliveries of Active Directory and Exchange Risk Assessment programs, as well as workshops on Exchange PowerShell, Administration and Troubleshooting, Migration Courses, and Office 365 Exchange Administration and Configuration. And a busy, busy, busy guy. And actually, before we go tearing off into your story, I wanted to read a comment from a listener, and I'd love your participation on this. This is actually from a show, show 577, which we did with Tom Limoncelli, talking about the practice of system and network administration, which I thought was something you could relate to. And this comment comes from Justin Morgan, who says, This was the first episode I listened to. Welcome, Justin. Thanks for coming on board. Your conversation about expecting IT guys to work well outside of what they were hired for hit home. I just looked at a posting for my current position and found this gem. The primary focus of the broadcast IT engineer is to maintain anything with a plug in the TV studio. The past few years have soured me on being a generalist and inspired me to start becoming an expert on a few things instead of being mediocre at everything. I would like to rant a bit more, but then the sales department just started complaining about their air conditioning again. Awesome. So, yeah, the IT generals. Because I got to think, as a PFE, you face all kinds of stuff. People are just having problems and they don't really know what it is. Yeah, I totally agree, Richard. You know, it just reminds me of back in the day before I became a PFE. I've been in IT for pushing 20 plus years now. And my running joke is anything technology touches, right? Yeah. So I always make the joke, and how many of us have actually moved furniture? <laughs> yeah. Well, the phone's on it, so can you help me move that? <laughs> All right, I'm happy to help. <laughs> it has a wire that needs to be plugged in, you know? It has a wall wart, anything like that. Exactly. Yeah, network cable, phone cable, TV cable, sound cable, right? <laughs> We've done it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and you're right, as a PFE, right, very general random issues that we run into and a lot of opportunities. And we try to be the solution, right? Not only PFEs, but also IT in general. So how can we be the solution for the company? Yeah. And I think that's an interesting sort of reality of IT is we are problem solvers, whatever the problem may be. And we may not actually be the specialist that fixes the given things, but we are the problem manager that makes sure that the specialist gets where they need to be. Oh, yeah. Be the solution. That's our goal is is how can we solve either software-wise, hardware-wise, or Apparently, phone cable-wise. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I find it's like, or you have to become the specialist in about an hour by reading the fact. You know, okay, now I know enough to probably get us through this particular problem. So I'm the expert today. 
Correct. On that subject that is in front of you at that moment. Yep. Do you find that, I mean, you, your bio talks an awful lot about exchange. Do you have PFEs that contact you specifically about exchange stuff on their projects as well? Oh, yeah. You know, we uh, have internal DLs, as uh, most companies do. And I'm always trying to be helpful on that, as other people are. So, you know, I know certain aspects. You know certain aspects. Someone else knows specific identities. And we grow as a community. Absolutely. There's too much in the world to know. So uh, to grow as a community and share the monks' knowledge, you know, if there's an answer that I know of off the top of my head, I'll throw the answer out there. And it solves a problem for someone else, right? So... And it's certainly a thing I would encourage Justin to, like, it's not, it's good that you should be an expert in a few things that people call you for, but you're also that generalist who has a great Rolodex. Here's an old term, you know, a great ICQ list. Look, I'm going through all the old terms. A (laughs) A great messenger list of folks you know that are experts in different things so that you can solve problems because in the end, it's our job. So, Justin, thank you so much for your comment. A Run As Radio mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a mug, write a comment on the website at runasradio.com or via any of our social media. We publish every show to Google+, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, I will send you a mug. Well, Mike, thanks for participating in that. And thanks for coming back on the show. It's been a while. And, you know, you've been working hard, I'm sure. Always adventures. Yeah, uh, you know, on the road some and then working from home using this internet fad that seems to be catching on. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be going away, strangely enough. Yep. So, you know, I like looking out over the Rocky Mountains for my uh, upstairs bedroom and uh, talking to, you know, people and helping them out and answering emails, right? So you do go on site for some issues, like it's necessary to get, do you have sort of set set of customers that you work with on a routine basis? So I'm what they call a transactional engineer. So I go from customer to customer. Okay. Obviously, I'm based out of here in Denver, so I have a number of customers that I visit occasionally, whether it's uh, annually or semi-annually or whatever the process is. But yeah, I do get on the road some. Uh, It comes and goes depending on uh, what the need is, right? Depends on what's going on in that environment and how different questions come up and how we can be the go-to answers on solving the problems presented to us. Sure. Yeah, I, I get it. And any stories you like to share? Like, I know, again, you have that strong exchange background, so is it? I mean, everybody's moving to the cloud there. Is that generally the work you're doing these days is dealing with migrations? Yeah, both migrations and hybrid Mm -hmm. uh, exchange on-premises and in the cloud and so forth. But yeah, I I run into different situations and so forth. I actually ran into a relative of mine, and she sent an email to me, and I looked at it, and it said, uh, Hi, this is from your manager, and these envelopes will be placed in a safe place because I need your password. (laughs) And I'm, I'm like... What what's going on here? So I read the email. There's typos. There's grammar errors. I'm like, this has got to be spam. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and stuff. And she's like, no, this is from my manager. The manager wants to have an envelope, a physical envelope, with your passwords to applications like the phone and voicemail and graphic applications, uh, bank for credit card information, Outlook, computer login. And I'm like, this can't be right. And they said, you know, to protect the names of the innocent here, right? So, you know, the IT manager, um, Homer Simpson, (laughs) (laughs) is having problems hacking into account when someone leaves. And and I'm like, wait, what? This is an Active Directory most likely. You can change the password permissions. They said, no, 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 this is going to be so much better because Homer needs help when someone leaves the company because they can't get to the application anymore. And I'm like, this can't be right. And she's like, no, I actually walked up to the physical person and asked, are you sure you want to have these envelopes? 
and isn't this against our PII, right? Personal identification information yeah. policy. And she was very adamant. The manager was very adamant and said, no, they really need this. Oh, don't worry, but I'll have this envelope with every single one of my people that reports to me. I'll put it in a, a, a safe place and only I'll have access to it. So everything will be fine. <laughs> everything will be fine. I started thinking through the process. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You're, so you're talking five or six different logins, applications, and passwords. Don't those passwords rotate every 30, 42 days, whatever it is? Oh, yeah, you can come by to my office, update it, and we'll reseal the envelope. <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking through the process, how many envelopes and how many people... Let's sort of scale this. <laughs> and I'm just, this can't be right. And so, again, this family member talked to the manager, and they said, no, this is Adam, this is, this is what we're going to do. And if you have a problem with this, then, you know, we're going to have some disciplinary actions. Right. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You'll jeopardize your job by not complying with this suicidally foolish security move. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, I mean, at that point, you got to walk away and, you know, escalate it or go to another manager or something. But yeah. yeah, this person's manager, and I'm just reading this email, right? These envelopes, I'm like, okay, that's grammatically incorrect, you know, and <laughs> all this stuff. And if something happens, and don't worry, we're not going to open them unless you leave and everything. And I'm like, oh, my, this can't be true. And it is. Yeah, it, so it sounds like an April Fool's Day joke. I mean, it really does. It really does, right? But it goes back to, you know, what you were kind of talking about is that, you know, these are situations that this person may not be fully aware of all the IT because there's too much in the world to know. Yeah. Right. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, asking and then saying, okay, look, this is a bad idea. Let's discuss this. And then let's look at a secure process and come up with a solution that's more beneficial to the company and, and compliance and stuff. Because uh, again, GDPR, right? From the European Union. Right just came out, right? And so now companies are like, how do I deal with this? And what do I work with? And what kind of PII information can I have and not have? And and how do I rate stuff? And so all these new questions that keep coming up and how do we deal with them? And again, a manager of an employee of whatever widgets they're building, right? Or whatever process, it's not necessarily their job to know all these security principles no. from an electronic standpoint. We talk about onboarding procedures all the time when you're bringing employees into a company, but an offboarding procedure is easily as important. And, you know, doing that well, we're exactly those issues. It's like, we need to, we do need to recover that mail. We do need to know where were those logins and so forth are, but you change them. You don't, <laughs> and then you delete them. You don't keep copies of them in exchange. Like, that, there's a great question just to ask right off the bat. So what happens if this person who is supposedly left you know, now uses their old password again. Like, have you considered the idea that you don't actually want that password, that you just want a new one? Agreed, uh, right? But you're right. You, you you disassociate the mailbox with another account. Yeah. There's an audit trail. You don't just change the password, right? Because that's a legal issue. And yep. then who's liable and everything? Oh, totally agree. Crazy. Now, you got to think about how they got to that point, too. Like, how desperate were you that you finally decided that this is what we're going to have to do? That this is the solution. And, it, and then it kept, stayed afloat long enough that it actually got pushed out to the regular workers that this is something they want you to do. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And then, so what frustration did people run into, right? And what is the deprovisioning process, right? Uh, right. Again, I do a lot of PowerShell work. Provisioning, deprovisioning, just like you said, it should all be scripted, right? Yeah. Function it up, right? New dash Contoso user, and it goes through and creates a mailbox. Remove dash Contoso user, right? Or whatever company that's out there, right? The fictitious companies so that you actually go through a process and disassociate mailbox, maybe a PST export, maybe 
change the file share permissions? You know, is there a team uh, SharePoint site still involved? All these different applications with passwords and applications and user accounts and stuff. So you should have a, a consistent process that's yeah. used all the time. Well, and, and I do think Microsoft's done a lot of work now in us being able to build scripts to automate all of that stuff. Like PowerShell's a grown up and these days it's actually reasonable to say there is a script that steps through all of these different activities to be an offboarding process so that it can be matured. Oh, agreed. Yeah. And that's the, the, when I teach courses, right? That's the thing we, we talk about. It's like, Hey, how do you make this easier? Right. How do you program your life? You know, yeah. there was a, there's this funny video that talks about uh, in the 1300s when reading and, and reading books and stuff came out to be and said, Oh, you should learn how to read. And people pushed back. Why should I learn how to read? Right. <laughs> My father didn't need to know how to read. <laughs> exactly. We've been always doing it this way before. Yeah, well, why yeah. should I learn PowerShell? Why should I learn JSON? Why should I learn coding? Because you're going to make your life easier. And scriptable and consistent every single time. Yeah, something more more reliable. And a conversation that's come up on the show repeatedly is this idea that we've, we've all had, as IT people, scripts. But I think when you talk about something like an offboarding script, it's not a script that any one person would build or any one person would use. And I think we're not used to this idea of, not only to make a script, I have to share it with my peers. And they are going to be able to look at it. And so you start thinking about your code very differently. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you care about stuff like source control and quality control and data validation and things you didn't need. It was just your little secret tool now that it's, it's right. actually sort of a physical thing that other people are going to count on that it needs to be reliable. Yeah, comments. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Let's put a comment in the code. Well, I don't need a comment for later. <laughs> I know what I was thinking when I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> Six months later, what was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? Yes. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard about that, too. Even just geeking out about PowerShell for a minute, you know, write verbose or write debug, I'm seeing more people put that into their code, and then they can just turn on verbose switch so that they can see the code going by of what they want to see, even it's just a little extra detail, right? So again, I can have a write verbose comment in here for myself, and it wouldn't run necessarily day in and day out, but when I want to troubleshoot the code, I could have write verbose in there. So yeah, make your life easy. Keep it simple. (laughs) Don't generate pain you don't need to generate. Yeah, exactly. And I know we're going to keep telling stories like this, but I think one of the interesting challenges is that you're not really trying to throw anybody under the bus, although that one, boy, oh boy. (laughs) But yeah, you've got to maintain the privacy of these people too, right? So they're going to be Contusos and and Bart Simpsons, right? No no real names. (laughs) No real names, right? And yeah, I had this other, you know, speaking of security principles, before I started Microsoft, and I'm sure other IT people have run into similar situations. My ISP called me up and said, hey, we did a port scan against your firewalls and didn't tell you. Nice. Uh, Okay, thanks. But what happened? Well, we found some ports open that you might want to consider closing. (laughs) All right. What'd you find? Well, one of your servers had SMTP TCP port 25 open. You you mean mean my email server? (laughs) (laughs) And then you had two other machines with uh, TCP ports 80 and 443 open. I think they're the web servers. So you might want to consider closing those from a security standpoint. Uh, Excellent. Yes. And if I close those, I don't need to pay you any money to host my information on the internet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you can't make this up, right? I mean, this actually, I had a phone call, right? So. You know, it was interesting because they were talking about, well, on-premises. I'm like, okay, I am on-site, right? So we're talking about on-premises. But I can't tell you how many times I'm not very good in English, right? So mm-hmm. people still mess up on-premise versus on-premises. 
And, you know, it's funny. I was watching an old Perry Mason show from the other day on one of those old TV shows or something. And they said, you know, on premises the other day, we had a murder. I'm like, they got it right back then. Why did we have it not right in 2018? (laughs) On premise environments. (laughs) No, it's not on premise. Yeah, that's not the premise of it at all. That's not the premise. You see, you get it right. (laughs) I got there. Mike, give me one moment here for this very important message. Users love to work around your configuration and settings. One click and your best laid plans are undone. But not when you use Policy Pack. Policy Pack increases your Windows security for your on-premises and roaming PCs. Remove local admin rights, manage and lock down all the security settings in your browsers and Java, and tame the Windows 10 start screen and taskbar. Got machines out in the field without the latest group policy settings? Then use Policy Pack Cloud or your own MDM service to deploy real group policy settings to those machines. Only with Policy Pack. Get your free trial today and learn the secret weapon that hundreds of admins use to manage and secure their Windows 7 and 10 desktops, both on premises and out in the field. Head over to policypack.com to get started today. Policy Pack, securing your standards. And we're back. Richard Campbell, Run As Radio, here with Mike O'Neill, telling a few PFE stories, working with different teams. And yeah, you know, if you close all the ports on the firewall, the machine is more secure. There's no two Exactly. Left. It's like if we stop putting doors into buildings, nobody would get into them. <laughs> and we'd have no problems, right? The security team says, we'll just close all the ports. We say all your networks will run so much better if we had no users, right? It's <laughs> These are the jokes, people. Yeah. Yeah, this is what this looks like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was a performance tuning guy for many, many years. I still do it once in a while. You know, the conversation always started off with, like, congratulations, you actually have a good problem. If nobody was using your site, it would run fine. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, to, you get to actually a place where the, my problem is people like my site too much. Like, that's a pretty good problem to have. Now let's go figure out how we're going to fix it. Right. Scale it out and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and all of those, you know, complexities. They And then they're annoyed. Like, why is this so hard? Because it does get more complicated. There's no two ways about it. It's like. Because that's what success looks like. You always get punished for success. Right, right. But you still have to go back to the basics, right? Yep. I had this other customer write a PowerShell script, and they put the password inside the script. And you're thinking, all right, there's secure ways of doing this. Yeah. And we looked at the file, and there was eight asterisks there. That was... (laughs) Now, the question is, (laughs) did they replace the password with asterisks, or was the password actually eight asterisks? The password was actually eight asterisks. So it looked like it was hashed. It was hashed. It wasn't. It was just eight asterisks. I love it. Security through obscurity, Uh, right? Because that works. (laughs) Holy man. So I share that with all my students now because, again, you could do this and people are like, oh, I can't find the password because it's a bunch of asterisks and it's already decrypted or encrypted rather. Right. No, that is the password. That's probably the password. Yeah, you should just try that. Put it in there. Holy cow, that's a good one. I love that. Yeah, it's just, you know, crazy what goes on out there. You know, I've got two or three of those big red button discussions, you know, data centers and so forth. Again, I've run into two different customers, you know, and the mechanic uh, shows up to do something in the air conditioner and and says, well, there's a data center pair of doors here and a big red button on the right-hand side. Maybe I'll push it and it'll open the doors. (laughs) Right. And so they push it, and sure enough, the data center goes very quiet very quickly. Yeah. And the doors don't open. It's like, hey, this button doesn't work. Exactly. Push it again. Push it again. (laughs) So, again, I've run into two actual customers, right? Contoso out there, customers. And 
you know, that have actually had this happen. Now, the good news is one of the customers actually put a sign over it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's still available to open because it can't be locked, right? Right. But again, at least there's a sign, you know, do not press this button. <laughs> yeah, or only push this if you really want to turn off the data center. Exactly. I had a guy looking for a light switch once and fired the Halon. That was a good day. Wow. Yeah, and then Halon, right, sucks all the oxygen out, so... yeah. That's a bad deal. Well, it lowers the oxygen levels. It won't kill you right away. Like, you have time. <laughs> That's a good point. There's helium in it, so your voice goes all screwy. Like, it's an experience, but it's expensive. They don't use it anymore and not because it, gave, it came really expensive, and it's, it's not good for you. But Right. Yeah, the old Halon systems. But yeah, a guy going, can't see anything. Of it. Is there a light switch? Click. Alarms. <laughs> Gas goes on. Like, everybody out. We got to get out. Come on. It's time to go. You got thirty seconds, and then you're out of oxygen, or whatever the process is. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty funny. It's like, yeah, that's it happens again. It's all these different situations. You'd mentioned that I do uh, the risk assessment program still. Yeah, they're still very popular, right? Looking at the risk and assessment of your environment. And I was doing an AD one, an Active Directory one, and we look at the, the number of domain admins, right, and schema admins, and important groups, right. Yeah. And it's not so much that, you know, there's a bad number. We flag you at a, a 20 or more and say, okay, you should discuss and is 20 or more domain admins, enterprise admins, scheme admins, you know, a, a good value or not. Mm -hmm. And I came across this value one time with this customer. And so I asked other people, I said, well, this is my high watermark. And apparently I have the record at the moment <laughs> with 10,850 domain admins. <laughs> Was that everybody? That was everybody. What they did was they took domain users and nested it inside of domain admins. Oh, okay. So they just dropped the domain user group, group into the domain admin group. And oddly enough, users didn't have any problems with loading software or any questions or phone calls were created. Yeah. They're never going to call you and go, oh, I really feel like I have too many rights. <laughs> exactly. Oh. The story gets better. There's only currently 2,000 employees. The other 8,000 people, they just never delete it. Because they never cleaned any users off as well. Just like you'd said, deprovisioning. Yeah. Right? There was no process in place to actually go through and clean up. Do we need this account? Now, admittedly, some people keep Active Directory accounts around for other reasons, other applications and so forth. But yeah, 8,000 people. That's a lot. People. That's a lot of people. Yeah. What if they change the passwords on any of those? Does everybody understand they all are administrators to the system? Exactly. I wonder if they changed, if they disabled the accounts at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't check that. So, yeah, that's just a little bit of an attack surface there. Just a little one. That's a little attack surface. Just a tad. Yep. So, <laughs> man. Holy mackerel. That's crazy. That's a good one. I like that one. If you make everybody an admin, you just don't have a lot of security problems. Exactly. Right. So, everything works so much smoother and I don't know if it's secure at that point, but that's a different discussion, right? So, although I did run into another customer, they are secure. They had data centers and locked accounts and everything and, and uh, cages in their data centers and everything. And one day someone found this little cable coming off one of their servers that they didn't recognize. And so they're in the, the racks and looking around. They're like, what is this? And so they traced it. And sure enough, remember those old Palm Pilots back in the day? Right. Now who's dating ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's an old machine. And they actually found a cable running from the server into a Palm Pilot taped underneath the server. Wow. That sounds very James Bond. It, it does, right? You know, espionage, what's happening at that layer? 
And sure enough, they asked the vendor, there was a third-party vendor involved, and they said, is this yours? We found it. And they said, yeah, we've been sniffing your network. I'm like... You mean committing a crime? Yeah. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And they admitted to it. <laughs> we're just trying to help. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what are we doing? And why are people doing this? Again, there's it's so random that somebody would do that. And again, there's malicious people out there, and there's sure. non-malicious people out there, but... I was taken back, and they said, yeah, we let that vendor go. I'm like, well, good. <laughs> but again, it's just random stories that happen. You know, you kind of go, that's kind of odd. Yeah. I wonder why that happened. So, I was checking the links on that exchange and Active Directory Risk Assessment Programs. You've bundled them all up into what's now called Premier Proactive Services. I love that name. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So again, yeah, they're, they're making it easier for more Premier customers, right? And so... Yeah, and it includes other technologies, uh, this uh, Hyper-V and... The list is huge. There's a ton of them, yeah. Yeah, so we're, again, proactively, right? We're trying to help customers, right? We're trying to be the solution, as all IT is for all the, your customers, your end users. Are we going to move the cable? Are we going to move the phone, move the desk? IT is the solution, right? Empower everybody and make it easier and be more proactive and not have to worry about reactive stuff down the road. Yeah, totally. So here's my bad cable in a data center story. Working on it, again, I'll leave the company nameless. Friend of mine, he's bringing me in as the contractor. Performance tuning problem. The site's running too slow. Without a doubt, when you manually surf the site, it's too slow. It's not good. It's taking a long time for stuff to load and so forth. I hop in to do an evaluation of the machine. CPU's not buried. You know, the machine's not working that hard. It's, it's fine. You got all the power in the world here. I don't know what's taking so long. And we spent days chasing it around and finally physically went to the data center because, of course, it was a remote data center. And found a weird cable to a 10 base T hub. <laughs> and the reason it was there was Wireshark, that somebody doing some diagnostics because they didn't want switch LAN so they couldn't see all the signals had plugged this 10 base T hub in so they could see all the signals through Wireshark and left it in there. Wow. And it's just this epic bottleneck of you know, all the traffic then slows down to 10 megabits. And, uh, yeah, just dropped the thing to its knees. And oddly enough, when we removed the hub, the site just hummed. That's strange with more bandwidth, huh? Yeah, it's the <laughs> oddest thing. It's like, what? How did this happen? Wow. Yeah, and again, just, you know, somebody was trying to troubleshoot. Again, yep. we recommend that. Turn this on for troubleshooting, but when you're done troubleshooting... Turn it back off again. That would be good. Exactly. Additional logging, additional overhead, <laughs> right? All these different processes. Little things. But, I mean, yeah, and plus it's also, hey, learn Wireshark because there are other ways to do this, right? Like, exactly. You, you could right. actually – a hub is not a necessary solution to this equation. So, apparently, that wasn't a problem between the keyboard and chair. No. The old PEMCAC? <laughs> yes. Yeah, PEMCAC. So, I ran into another customer that actually put the PEPCAC in the tracking system of problem resolution. Oh. I'm like, you know, you can joke about that. Yeah. You don't want to – document it <laughs> there is no tech support solution or service management solution that includes customer is an idiot <laughs> exactly id10t <laughs> it's not acceptable you you actually have to understand that that's the customer and if they don't understand it it's because you made it too hard to understand make it better correct or just make a domain admin <laughs> admins for everyone <laughs> holy man you're giving me chills, Mike. I haven't thought about this stuff in years. It's all coming back to me now. I'm just banging my head on the table. Well, become a PFE, right? Yeah. Best job at Microsoft and uh, see this stuff day in and day out. <laughs> but I, I can't imagine they're all sort of 
silly, oh, just move this wire and now I fixed it, right? You've got, you must have some hard ones too, tough to diagnose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we jump off the deep end. Sure. Again, we're still kind of generalist, right? And so there's stuff that, you know, I run into, I don't know the answer, but I have a community to go ask. Yeah. I do think the advantage of being an external is like, you know what normal looks like because you've seen enough systems. I remember looking at an OLAP system where the population of the data structures was taking forever. And, you know, again, just snap on your basic metrics and say, well, this drive is running at like one megabit a second. This drive is a gigabit drive. Like it should not be this slow. What the heck's going on? You find out that they've misconfigured the SAN to share the same spindles for all the work. And I'm like, all right, you know, that's, but without that sense of what normal is, that what reasonable, what are reasonable numbers? I think that's the hardest thing to know. Oh, totally agree. And that's why we always ask, you know, what's the baseline? Because yeah. someone calls up, it's slow today. Well, what was it yesterday? Yeah. Oh, we have no idea. Yeah, nobody has any baselines. Right. So you need a baseline, right? You know, from an exchange perspective, we want 10 milliseconds or less of disk latency. Right. You know, we really don't care if you put an SSD or 7.2K or 15K. As long as you give us 10 milliseconds or less as a baseline, mm-hmm. just like you're mentioning, then we're going to be happy. But if you can't provide that baseline or troubleshoot what the value should be, yeah, then you have problems, right? Actions are slow. Email is slow. Applications are slow. There's a 10 meg connection somewhere in the middle of the stream. <laughs> oh, you like that one, do you? You like that? Okay. Yeah. See, I get, I get to share this too. Hey, I bumped into this engineer and he was telling me this story. So, <laughs> But yeah, people accidentally create bottlenecks like those, those folks with the sand that configured it so a couple of spindles were, were doing all of the work and the rest of the sand wasn't doing anything or you channel everything through one switch. Like those are easy mistakes to make. You just don't realize you've just shifted the bottleneck. Right. And I reminds me of another story. I had a exchange question public folder and uh, we looked at the disk latency. It was 350 milliseconds for disk latency. Hmm. Were they chipping it into stone? Uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> right. Uh, creating an oil painting at the same time. <laughs> you know, I bumped into this customer a few months later and stuff. And, and the engineer's like, oh, I talked to my sand engineer and they made a change. And now it's down to, you know, less than 10 milliseconds. And I asked, would they change? And they, the engineer told me they wouldn't tell me. Uh oh. like, Okay, look, we all make mistakes. This, this is the story we're talking about, right, today. We all make mistakes or we make a configuration. We don't know everything and we make a little change. Just document it, you know, and say, all right, now I've learned from this. You know, we're going to be better from this. Don't make this configuration difference in the future and it'll all be good. So, yeah, they weren't told what was changed and so they can't prevent it next time, but it's not happening now. So they never did tell. No, wow. no. And they're on the same team, the same company. They're, you know, they, they meet out, you know, at, at meetings and everything. Like, what'd you change? Oh, it's a configuration. Well, what was it? Can we document it? Mm, no, no, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> they're a little embarrassed, <laughs> a little so embarrassed that they're literally going to leave it so that they can make that mistake again. Exactly. Right. And again, you know, I make embarrassing mistakes. Other people do. It's like, all right, I, I fessed up. All right. I goofed. Right. Let's, yeah. let's do it this way. Right. There's too much in the world to know, right? And yeah. there's too many things happening. Technology is moving way too fast. And again, we grow as a community, right? If, if you correct me and we document it, all right, don't do it again this way, Mike. All right, I won't. Well, how many times have you just gotten blind to a problem because you worked on it for so long, you can no longer see it and you just, you get oh, better. Yeah. I think as experience comes along, you realize, hey, I just need a fresh pair of eyes here, please. And somebody else walks along and goes, where's that? Why do you have that curly brace there? Or you're like, why is that switched off? Like any of that? And you're like, ah. Oh, that was it. 
There you go. But you, you can't see it because you stared at it for too long. Totally agree, right? And and I've done some PowerShell review code with people and say, hey, Mike, what do you think? I'm like, well, okay, this works, this works, but what about these three ideas, right? Right. Oh, okay, that's a fresh set of eyes, right? Yeah. Thank you for that because I've been in the weeds inside the forest for months. <laughs> yeah, absolutely true. And it's like, that's part of a confidence in an organization and confidence in a team to just go, yeah, no, everybody's competent here. Everybody's trying to do their best and we can help each other just by looking at each other's work and, and making suggestions. Yeah, totally agree. Mike, a half hour has flown by. I'll include the link to the Premier Proactive Services. How does people get that? I guess you have to be a Premier customer. Yeah, you do need to be a Premier customer from Microsoft. And so we're looking at more options down the road, but you can sign up to be a Premier customer and uh, many customers are, right? You get uh, additional tool sets and so forth and additional resources and so forth. So a lot of options. And there's a lot of good free options out there for Microsoft. So we're trying to empower everybody with technology across the board. I do see PFEs releasing free tools and things on a regular basis, stuff you've built to help you in your job that you figure can help others as well. Yeah, I do that too. Whenever I write modules or PowerShell code, right, mm-hmm. I'll put it on the internet and stuff and a number of PFEs. Again, code, you know, PowerShell is kind of open source, right? So it's a with PowerShell core for Linux environments now and Macintosh, right? We're trying to leverage that. And I share code that I have to all my students are like, can we have this? I'm like, yeah, here's all the code and everything. And, yeah. you know, it's just, uh, you know, get dash mailbox. It's not a secret. Nice. <laughs> so. Mike, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Really fun to talk to you. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You bet. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. Mm-hmm.